the, do it. Let's, the button is let's, hit. Let's do what we do. We're doing it. We're... Let's do what we do. It's it's been a gosh. It's been a long week. I I got to try to bring my trademark characteristic energy for sure through the through this through the the haze through the abyss through through the internet as well. You know, we're we're digital to this week. Well, you know what they call? Did I tell you this, Kyle? When they give us mandatory overtime, what they call it? Uh, you you called it Mando. Mando. <laughs> One of my buddies sent me a supercut of every time Carl Weathers says Mando on uh, The Mandalorian. Oh, yep. Which is good. Which is good. That helped me get through. So I'd never got, I'd, I'd been on this job now for a little bit less than two years and I'd never gotten it. And then I got yeah. it three times in the past week. That's rough. That's twice, a lot. Twice because of rain. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday because of the Super Bowl, because everybody at my work gets sick. It's amazing. Yeah, it's like a, it's like an epidemic. It's like a localized <laughs> you, epidemic. You would not believe. You're 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 a football sick. you're a football guy. Did did you feel uh, left I, out? I don't know. I'm less of a football guy than I than you used to be. be. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, my team is the Chicago Bears, and when they're good, which is rare. Yeah. Uh, then I care a little more, and when they're not, I care a little less. Um, but I would watch the game. I would certainly watch the Super Bowl. It was a decent game. Um, well, I I got to see the end of it. Like yeah, the, I I got home in the middle of the third quarter, so I saw most third of quarter what was the was, messiest. That was the messiest quarter. So, but I mean, I saw most of what was good. Yeah, the first half, which I saw bits and pieces of at work, because of course they had the game on. Yeah, when I wasn't uh, when I wasn't otherwise uh, occupied, but uh, they even brought in some hot dogs. They brought in hey. some hot dogs and some snacks to. Nice. to to shore up the morale amongst the few stupid suckers who'd showed up for work and not didn't call in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it was definitely, it was a skeleton crew down there. So uh, I showed up, got some Mando, which they have to pay me extra for. So I guess, of that's course. Good. Yeah. So give me some, give me some extra money to blow in Vegas. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, we're going to Vegas. That's right, Vegas, baby. Yeah, probably no episode next week because we'll we'll be in Vegas. Not what that... exciting! What exciting release are we going to miss out uh, on? Bob uh... Marley, One Love. <laughs> oh God, maybe we should. Yeah, we should go see. I'm that. just glad I I saw a movie today in the theaters and they still had a trailer for it. And I'm like, this is the last. This is it. It's the last time what, I will see this what, goddamn what did, trailer. What did you see today? Did, I saw this. I, I don't know. I saw someone recommend it. And it it's not good. It's called Out of Darkness. It's a Andrew Cummings movie, and it's they created a fake language. It takes place in like prehistoric, like cavemen era. Sounds awesome. And they created a a, a gibberish language. This and, is, this, and, this and so it's like subtitled. A, this sounds like a Werner Herzog idea. I know, like, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it sounds very odd. I saw some interesting trailers, um, particularly one by the. Uh, oh, is it Nathan and Daniel uh, Zeller? Zeller. They did like a movie with Robert Pattinson called Damsel. And they also did, uh, I forget the other movie they did. But they, it's called Sasquatch Sunset. And it's literally, it's, liter- it's Riley Keough, Jesse Eisenberg, uh, one of the directors, and um, somebody else. And they are like literally Harry and the Henderson outfits. And they grunt, and I don't think I don't think the word is spoken through this, throughout this entire movie. It looks so strange, and almost to the point where I'm like, I don't think it could be any good because of how strange it is. But 
it was an interesting trailer. I don't I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, you know, obviously we haven't seen a ton of movies. We haven't reviewed a ton of movies. I haven't yeah. even seen per- Perfect Days yet, which I assume I'm going to like. You, you will love it. it, Ben. I just which saw I it last week. It is yeah, I gotta see it. I so see it. Of course, it's good. another movie that's just showing at the fucking Century City because they want me to go over there. No, it's it's so, such but I a... think maybe they'll start showing it at more theaters later, soon. I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Yeah, we, Katie, I took Katie. And it was just such a wonderful ode to Tokyo in particular, this very unique culture. And obviously because Vim Vendors is German and he comes with a appreciation, but like kind of an outsider view, he's making a little bit of commentary on things that even the Japanese wouldn't even recognize are issues with like the casual treatment of people and like kind of hierarchical structures and the prejudice of it. Um, he brings it kind of to light in a very Western fashion, but the movie in its rhythms is very like Yosujiro Ozu and Mijiguchi and all of those kinds of filmmakers. It's the rhythms are really remarkable. Yeah, well, Vendors claims Ozu as his master. He says that's that is my master. Yeah, hundred percent. Who is not my master though is Doctor Frankenstein. Dr. Frankenstein? Who is, I guess, whose presence, whose brooding presence perhaps sort of hovers over the movie Lisa Frankenstein. Kind of. That we we are reviewing. (laughs) I'm assuming you saw it. I mean, I I guess I could review if you didn't. Yeah, no, I I saw Uh, it. He, you know, Dr. Frankenstein, as played by Gene Wilder, sort of hovering over this movie, um, Maybe maybe we could think of him as kind of the um, the sort of moving force, the kind of the kind of moving spirit here, mm-hmm. uh, bringing us to this movie, bringing us to bringing us to Lisa Frankenstein or Frankenstein. I mean, you, you know, I think it's a choice you can make how you pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, so we saw this movie. We I did. saw this movie. You saw this movie. I definitely this did. Is a, this is a movie that's out there. The pitch for this movie is John Hughes meets Natural Born Killers. Am I right? Is that sort of <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah. Is that uh, the pitch is, uh, that, is I, that how that meeting went? I described it. Tim Burton directs Weird Science. Is uh... yes. Okay, there we go. There we go. But but I mean, but I mean, there's but I mean, it, it goes beyond even Burton in terms of like what the characters ultimately do. That's why I went Natural there's, Born Killers. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of '80s kitsch here. It's it's there's references to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, I think the whole you, you're alluding to the the murderous streak within the movie. I think that's more Little Shop of Horrors. Um, you know, it's one of the, the it's it's that kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. feeding the beast, like getting the pieces the in order to uh, make whole this uh, this creature, this uh, accidental uh, forlorn romantic pianist that resurrects from the dead accidentally, you know, from a freak accident, which uh, is my first complaint about the movie. How is she essentially a Frankenstein character if she is not the one who resurrects or reanimates the dead? Uh, I really wanted that to be part of the the core of the case, but uh, obviously she she manifests uh, some other sort of experimentation in his aid. But uh, yeah, yeah we're, we we require a Deus Ex Machina to get him up and around. Yeah, that's what it know? is. I did the, not. I didn't the, particularly the, care for that. <laughs> I mean, she. I guess she makes it happen in the sense that she wishes for it. She does. Like she she yeah. wishes for it, but the actual mechanics of yeah, how the event. he. 
he initially emerges is uh that we don't know you know yeah. it's just a it's just a sort of miraculous event yeah that brings him into her life which is very different than say because this this has a lot of ode to say i mean um catherine newton here invoking the goth entity of winona Ryder and say beetlejuice or you know versions of her and say edward scissorhands edward scissorhands leans very heavy on this circumstance like this is kind of an inversion it's like the commentary of it is an inversion of john hughes you could say because it, it's putting the the female in it in a source of empowerment although he did this with 16 candles pretty in pink um you could say that uh the edward scissorhands character is not manifested it's it's sort of a, a wish fulfillment and so there's elements of that yeah i'm i'm it's funny i think we're both dancing around it ben what what did you think of lisa frankenstein i mean i just it just didn't do much for me yeah it's I agree. great it's got a great soundtrack does yeah Ario speedwagon laying it heavy in there but I mean the pixies. I, Pixie. I mean I, that was pixies. one of my favorite scenes when she's running to wave of mutilation. I was like, okay, yeah. Like I, I see something here. I mean, I guess this is like I don't know. I mean the eighties. The eighties have got a lot of things going on. The eighties have got a lot of things going on. They should really put that on my gravestone. That's a real <laughs> quotable line. This is not a vein of 80s shit that I particularly am into anyways. No, I don't particularly yeah. love John Hughes movies. No, I neither do I. Fine. Like, but I don't I mean, even I'm a little old for them to have come out when like they didn't come out at a time when I was, you know, they they predated my formative time. I mean, I guess you know, some of some of that 80s stuff in that vein looms large for me. I mean, Ferris Bueller was a movie I watched a ton when I was young. Big time. But like, gosh, I mean, I could sort of take or leave the Breakfast Club, right? I know that that's that's so iconic. The other ones I don't really have any feelings about one way or the other. Um say anything just makes me want to kind of throttle John Cusack, right? I mean, that's not really... He wanted He wanted to throttle his character. When he did High Fidelity, it was almost like a big fuck you to that character. Oh, like no, and I like John Cusack. Yeah, I no, John I love Cusack John Cusack, is a, yeah. Is a, is a great actor and, and uh, also um, one of the being outspoken in, in the world in ways that I, I think is great. Well, but even even that character grinded him down. I think he even hated that character. Yeah, like, and, and, and that, like, whatever particular, like, romantic notions about you know some weird sort of 80s individuality that these things are trying to conjure up just don't don't never really speak to me and i mean the movies i love from the 80s are the movies everybody loves from the 80s right i love back to the future i love ghostbusters uh above all you know i guess star wars kind of straddles the 70s 80s it line. does yeah um, I mean, but but that that vein of just like i feel about a lot of 80s music i that whole i just it's it doesn't really speak to me yeah well and it, so and so whatever nostalgia it was going for was not in any sort of nostalgia zone that i feel very strong with although i like that it committed to its aesthetic yeah it does right it, i mean you know it, it and it commits it to it in like a real way it's not a it's not a joke on it or a parody on it. It's a real, it's an 80s style movie set in the 80s. It's very committed to doing what it's doing. And I feel like for someone who had some deep affinity for the the inspiration, maybe the movie would speak to them more. Well, and I I think that's true. But also we're, we're talking about a movie that is 
desperately, and I do mean desperately, trying to be a cult movie. Yes. Yeah, and and what I don't like about that formula is because cult movies become cult movies because they were made in their earnestness. They were made at that their time. I mean, think of RoboCop. Think of even like Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. Think of Scott Pilgrim versus the World. And I'm going to bring up the other movie that this is uh, it released around the same time, leaning into that, that established uh, creativity. Is that the screenplay by Diablo Cody here is is almost kind of trying to capture on the newfound cult appreciation with a movie she did in the or like straddling that early two thousands Jennifer's Body with Megan Fox and uh, Amanda Seyfried. And that movie was marketed poorly. The studio didn't believe in it. It was uh, a, a exploitation B-movie riff uh, on a commentary on high school um, friendships, romance, and aesthetic. And it has now found a cult following. I don't know. It, it's not necessarily the kind of cult movie that I like. I think Jennifer's Body is still not ex- exceptionally good. Um, but it's kind of kitschy, it's campy in the right ways, and they were doing it earnestly. They just made it at that time what they were trying to do. Diablo Cody's writing is very much featured. She writes a lot of uh, high school kids that are beyond beyond their precociousness, beyond their intelligence. It is kind of an annoying feature. She has been kind of responsible through Juno and otherwise to create movies like Easy A, where they're charming in themselves, but the characters are far more, um, they have far more vocabulary and intelligence and uh, cleverness than most high school kids that I knew or know. And so, honestly, this is a regular feature. And so, this movie supposedly takes place, quote-unquote, in the same universe as Jennifer's body. And so, they're just trying to kind of cap, you know, they're trying to um, generate a new cult status on that sort of momentum. And you just feel it in it. And I, I, I feel like it is a false reanimation of the cult formula i just don't think it is i I think it it's it has a good cult concept i think it has interesting aesthetics i think some of the performances are good but my goodness when they try and lean into the camp idea or the 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 scripts oddities it actually showcases a a a, a debilitating weakness in its uh, falseness no, I, this is exactly right. I mean, here's the problem, right? A lot of things in the world that we watch are derivative, right? Yeah. There's a lot of der- – and obviously everything comes from somewhere else. Everything is inspired from something else. There's nothing original. There's nothing new under the sun, blah, no. blah, 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 right? But when you try to – you know, when you tr- when you make a self- self-conscious effort to be quirky yeah. in the way that something before you was quirky – then you really go wrong, right? Because then what you're actually trying to do is you're trying to copy something whose whole point was that it wasn't quite so copied. Exactly. Right? You know, so so you're being derivative of something whose whole point was being original, right? Yeah. Whose whole point was in some interesting or at least novel way breaking the formula, right? But that's why you always see a bunch of terrible movies that sort of come in the wake of every big indie thing, right? Yeah. 
Although to be fair, I don't think this movie is riding like any sort of a trend. No, right. No. Uh, so, it's it's so, its so, own. It's it's a niche trend. Yeah, it's no, its no, own it's, it's, un- it's, universe. So, so it's not like chasing something in the way that like I don't know. It's you, you feel like you feel like there have been periods where you've seen a lot of movies that felt kind of like Pulp Fiction or a lot of movies that felt kind of like, I don't know, Little Miss Sunshine, right? You just think of these, there's a whole indie kind of tone, right, that emerges at certain points where you're like, oh, like sometimes things will just be very twee and very precious, right? Or sometimes things will be like kind of like the Pulp Fiction thing, kind of like amped up genre stuff that's like really kind of, everything is kind of dialed up to 11, right? You know, and it's just sort of super intense in these very particular cinematic ways. So, yeah, I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. You, you, you know, this is why alternative culture is so hard to create, right? Because you, you have to, and that's, it's even harder now with the internet, right? Because things don't kind of go out into the world and incubate someplace where nobody looks at it. Right. And then come out and people are like, Oh my God, where did that come from? Well, that, that was some people that were hiding out in Seattle or whatever. <laughs> like nobody hides out anymore. Everything gets exposed. Everyone immediately yeah. puts their stuff on TikTok. So it's, it's very hard to do this because it's, it's, I mean, well, whatever we know this, it's hard to be original. Right. Yeah. And when you try to, to copy, yeah, the quirkiness is something you have to come by honestly, not try to try to copy. And when you copy it, it doesn't work. Well, and I it think comes off as false. I agree, and 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 the falseness. I honestly, I think this could have been. I I think with the cast involved, I mean, you have our modern um, scream queen Carla Gugino. You know, oh, she's great. She's definitely. I mean, she is so detestable. Yeah, right? she's. And of course, they get rid of her. Well, yeah, which which honestly is, I, I I wish almost like she got reanimated at some point because honestly, once she's gone, you lose a, a decent amount of uh, like heft and uh, prestige in the movie because she gives such weight. You know, having worked with, um, oh my goodness, what is his name? I'm forgetting, but uh, you know, Midnight Mass and. Um, I'm going to get it in a second. <laughs> That's okay. You're good. I'm going to get You're it. Good. Mike Flan. I knew it was Mike, but I kept like thinking of a different last name, but Mike Flanagan. Um, and working with him, she's become uh, like this kind of horror staple. And so her, her presence gives it a lot of weight. And I like most of the cast. I like Catherine Newton. I, you know, she's in Freaky. She's in uh, Blockers. And I also think Cole Sprouse does a really good job in the film. What I think really creates the false dynamic that I want to hone in on, because I think I think conceptually it could have been a cult camp kitsch delight. I think there are elements of it that exist within it that are delightful in that vein. But honestly, it's the direction of every single sequence. It it has poor pacing. It has pedestrian blocking. It has uninventive style. And so it, it really impacted my viewing where I'm like, this is interesting aesthetically, performatively. But every step of the way, every scene in its pacing had awkward pauses, gaps that you could like run a car through. It was 
just a yeah. weird display of how it, it, it was it's really interesting you could learn a lot from how you do not direct sequences from this movie you know there's so many movies like this that you think would really benefit from something someone having really watched and internalized the um the episode of every frame of painting about edgar wright i don't know uh-huh. if you've ever watched that yeah but it's all about visual humor right and how you make things visually interesting right yeah. and yes i agree with you there's yeah, there's there's all kinds of problems. I agree with you on, on a scene by scene level. The first act is really bloated and not good. It goes on for too long, and it sort of has this parade of horribles befall uh, the befall Lisa that are just unnecessary. Like yeah. the whole thing where the guys try to feel her up. I, I guess I know they pay that off later, but it's just like that whole party scene, and top of that, us learning about what happened with her mother. I just feel like they just. They had some need to really put this character through, like not just the ringer, but like several ringers. Sure. Well, prior, also prior the, to the prior part- to us getting to like the reanimation of the dude, like that. The first act was ten minutes too long and had like five more bad things happen to her than need to happen to her to make the thing start going. Absolutely. Right? It, was just, it was just like I, w- I just I I I feel like I was already a little bit numbed to what the movie was trying to do from that first act because. I just, I, I just, I hate it when movies try to overdetermine. Like, oh, it's going to be understandable what she does because it's really that bad for her. Like, how many bad things do you have to have happen to her to feel like you've gotten that across? Yeah, right? Yeah. To feel like you've whatever you've done, whatever you have to do to create a permission structure but for I, whatever she's going to do next. I also do not like that temp, the, the the tampering of that either. I actually think it's more interesting. This is what happened. I mean, take it back to Frank Oz's Little Shop of Horrors. They changed the ending where they were Audrey and, and uh, oh my gosh, uh, uh, Seymour. They die. Yeah. They take that out. That's original. That's a, a play uh, stage original is that they die. And it's because of his hubris. It's because... And it's and he doesn't even really kill anybody, um, uh, you know. He kind of pushes his boss Mushnik into the monster. Like he goes to kill the dentist, but then the dentist just uh, dies on his own gas. Like so, it's it, it's interesting because Seymour is going down a dark path, and it's only because it's it's for avarice, it's for ambition, it's for. It's thinking that he deserves something beyond his predicament. I again, if you're going to take it back to these these places, such as Rocky Horror Picture Show, I mean, there's there's a lot of wrong. I mean, you take it to the original of Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's a very sad ending. It does not re- they die like Frankenfurter dies like in the and and it's 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 really I don't know if you're going to do this, but to do dress it up in the kind of John Hughes romantic comedy vein. I don't know. The, the, I I think the moral questions as part of it, it becomes exhausting that they're just trying to make you very sympathetic with this character when really it should be more of a a character flaw. It should be you know in in you know it's it's via trauma, via like a latent psychopathy. You know, basically it's it needs to emerge. So I also did not like the the pillowing like the of of at the beginning to explain where things were going to go. But yeah, I mean that party scene is terribly directed. There's no energy. It's so flat visually and people move from conversation there's no quickness. And again, this is this is a script that is quick. There's quick dialogue, there's quick response, there's quick reaction, and yet the direction is muted and slows it down 
very odd. It's just very odd choices. I just didn't, I, and this it it prevented me from really getting onto its yeah, rhythm. And there's also no suspense, right? None. There's no suspense whatsoever to that party sequence. You know all the bad shit that's going to happen to her when she gets the cup. You know they're going to drug her. You the guy starts talking to you. Oh, you know he's going to get creepy with her. It's just like it's just a sequence that just sort of completely encompasses like what this movie doesn't have, yeah. which is just any sort of charge to it. Right. It's just, oh, I know what's going to happen. I know how it's going to go bad. I know it's going to be. It's just, yeah, it's just, a, it's just boring. It's just, a, it's long and it's boring and it doesn't go anywhere. And it's not interesting to watch on any level. There's nothing funny happening. There's no, no suspense happening. Right. And so you, to me, that's the perfect microcosm for the movie. Right. And it only breaks out of that, quite frankly, at moments. Like there are some nice visual moments. I did like the. I did think the scene where you know the last big murder of, uh, you know, where he can finally get his manhood restored. Like I like. I liked what they did visually there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there were some moments where they had there were some good ideas, but by and large, it just, yeah, it just felt bloated and overdetermined, and it feels very forced. It really yes. does. Yeah, yeah, it feels very forced, and w- which is unfortunate because I actually think that there's some light, you know, some light-hearted appreciation to to have with it. I I do think some of the performances work for me. I do think a a girl whose obsession uh, is George Melius and G W Paps from like silent film era is also uh, creates a dream entity that is a silent film star and so Cole Sprouse like embodies that quite well from an era um from a from a bygone era I I think performatively they are charming enough but again it's the the forcefulness of the conceit and the concept the inarticulate direction they just take out all of the air and all of the potential for it 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 really numbs and uh sanitizes the engagement with each of the actors, even though they're doing a decent job. Yeah. But I think you hit the nail on the head about the sort of the problems at the level of the scenes and the kind of technical aspects of it. It's just a movie that feels very slack and it needs to feel sure. much yeah. tighter and more energetic. I Gotta mean, you be need tighter. To really be, you just need to be really dialed in and engaged with a movie like this. And you should be in that, you know, I mean, the premise is, you know, it could have happened, right? I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing fatal to the idea. No. Right. It's just, it just is, feels very, you know, just, it, it's, yeah. I mean, I just found myself disinterested. For sure. Right? Yeah. I just found myself dis, uh, disinterested and uninterested. Both. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's because like, you get to this final reveal at the end, that final scene that I guess is supposed to make you think like, oh, how did it, how did this happen exactly? And I thought about that for about two seconds. I'm like, I really don't care. I don't, like, care, I don't, no. I don't care enough to think about what this ending is supposed to mean or what it suggests about what transpired. Yeah. Right. That they've essentially switched spots. I don't care. I don't care enough to engage with it. Right. Yeah. And that's a bad sign because, I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah, I agree. It's supposed to be like, oh, this sort of chin stroking moment, right? Where you're like, oh, my God, what is this supposed to mean? And I just couldn't I couldn't bring myself to think about it. No, it's it's and it's it's, (laughs) I, I agree. It's unfortunate because 
I, I think that there was a lot of promise here. I do, I, even though Diablo Cody is not my kind of screenwriter, there are some things that she has scripted that I do like. Like I, I think she did Young Adult, which I actually do like that movie with Charlize Theron. And because um, I think Reitman directed it, and it was his other unification with her for um, doing Juno. And so they met, they did another partnership movie and I do like young adult. I don't mind Juno either. I know some people are like, it hasn't aged well. Uh, it's got, got a bit of uh strain on that to, to live beyond its indie scene of its time. But she, she's an interesting screenwriter and I will give her a lot of credit for what the possibilities she can bring and the, and the inventiveness that she has. But uh, Zelda Williams direction holds it back. It holds it back. A lot of these featured actors who are decent, but could have been better. Yeah. It's just rhythmically off. It is uh, comedically off. I mean, it sways back and forth and, and it's because it's not tight. It's not, it's because it's not realized it's because it's sitting on, an assumption the assumption is we have a clever enough aesthetic enough driven film that people will buy into it and maybe they will maybe some people will i but i didn't it took it it took me out of it at several moments and uh it it did not prolong my interest enough to be dedicated to it and i certainly am not interested in revisiting it yeah yeah Oh, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I was looking forward to this. The trailer had me curious. And so uh, I was I was hoping that it would be silly and fun. And it certainly was silly at times, but it, for some reason just lacked a bit of fun. I, I really thought it, 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 it assumed it was having fun, and I'm sure they were, but it really didn't do its, its due diligence to bring me on board with it. And maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe that's my problem. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I'm sure some people are going to enjoy this. Yeah. Uh, I think that, but yeah, it's tough. It's tough when you're desperate for that kind of, you know, indiness or quirkiness or cultiness or whatever. It's it's kind of, it's, it's kind of, a, it's one of those things that you can only catch if you're not like looking directly at it's true. Know? It's missing. There's something it's missing these days. I mean, obviously last year, Megan was like the cult, uh, you know, silly. And and this year, I I saw a new trailer for the one imaginary with the like haunted bear, the imaginary friend that's in this uh, stuffed animal bear. And honestly, that one has me more intrigued because it has some like creature effects and like actual physical creature monsters that and it will probably have the the straight up formula as a regular horror movie, and that will disappoint me. But we are missing genuine camp and cult ideas because, and I don't know, I think I think it's because we just live in an era where people find their things immediately and you're either already engaged with it. Um, you know, I will say Bottoms. Bottoms. Yeah, Bottoms is, I was just going to bring up Bottoms. Yeah, it could be a, a cult movie because honestly i i think it's it, it did okay but it deserves more of an audience and honestly that one understands the 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 heather's borrowing dynamic of a kind of dark edged satire of high school that this one was missing this one was trying to follow up on the jennifer's body iteration and it just doesn't land as well and so the heather's the the Heather's callbacks and ideas, it is it is um 
Bottoms has a has a superior uh, approach to it, and so I mean that that one. I mean, if that one hadn't come out, like maybe I would have enjoyed this more. But every time they were trying to do something with the high school satire and the the, the dialogue rhythms and the characterizations, I was like, oh man, Bottoms just sits in a better pocket on this idea than than they had. Even um, and I know we you weren't too big on it. Well, bodies, bodies, bodies. Even is better than uh, oh Lisa yeah, bodies, bodies, bodies is definitely better than that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I had my issues with bodies, bodies, yeah. bodies, but but there was still a lot to recommend it as a film for sure. Like, like, but yeah, but I mean, bottoms is the obvious choice, right? Bottoms is the obvious choice. But again, you've, I mean, you've got a movie that seems, I mean, bottoms does some things that I haven't seen a movie do before. There's mm-hmm. some actual original and the way it combines and recombines its elements. is very interesting, right. And different and fresh. And it's clear that these, you know, it's clear that, you know, uh, Emma Seligman and Rachel Senate, I mean, they clearly, you know, you have to, you have to be weird, right. You have to kind of <laughs> want to go to some weird territory that like nobody yeah. else has gone before. You have to, kind of yeah you have to want to do something that is actually very strange right yeah <laughs> right absolutely right? and there's nothing about lisa frankenstein that's particularly strange which is there's weird no more... because it should be it should yes. be so fucking weird and but there, it's not there's no movie i didn't have any moment in the movie where i was like oh my god like they did what or yeah. i never imagined them doing that before you no. know those moments you have in movies very like, predictable wow wow you talk about bodies, bodies, bodies. The end of it, like, it's just great. Like the way that that the way they pay that movie off. Like to think that they could, like, it's very hard to pay off a movie the way that that movie pays off the very final scene. Yeah, to have something that actually makes you go, "Wow!" Like, <laughs> that's hard to do. There was no wow moment in this movie, not for me. No, definitely there not. No mo- there was no moment where I was like, my God, I didn't think they would do that. I didn't think they would go there. Wow, that really shocked me or that surprised me or that was a real interesting choice. We never had that effect on me. No. And and Bottoms had that effect on me all the time. There were all kinds of moments from the mo- moment the movie started where I was like, wow, I really did not expect them to go there or do this or make that move. The whole... I mean, I know I've said it over and over again, but the the extent to which the movie buys into a much wilder conceit, yeah, than this because because this movie buys into like one little conceit about reanim- some dude getting reanimated, right? That movie buys into like a conceit of like everybody everybody buys into the fact we're at this high school, right? Yeah. <laughs> and this is this is this insane high school, right? <laughs> right, where you know where we have a fight club and where Marshawn Lynch is one of our teachers and where the, the, there's some, there's an insane like homoerotic football team that like everyone is focused on. (laughs) I mean, just the, the number of conceits that the movie just stacks on top of each other is just so wild. Right. In this movie, it's just this, it's the same old stuff. She's a really pretty girl, but she's sort of an outcast and she's got problems. And she's, she's a traumatized is, gal. Her life is shit and she's traumatized. And so this monster comes along and she loves the monster. And of course, we've seen this a million fucking times. Right? Although she like, doesn't really love the monster. In fact, she treats him as, as just kind of a soundboard for her her quiet yearnings for somebody yeah, else. Yeah, but that's, it, it, you're just putting on another part of this movie that doesn't work, which is the arc of that relationship. It doesn't, doesn't work. work. It doesn't work. 
It does not work. The, the the transition to her being in love with him doesn't work. It's based. It's just so. It just doesn't. No. There's no emotional impact to that. No, it's, it's like, quick and it's uh, unexplained. And honestly, he deserved better. Just gonna yeah, say. Yeah, no, he no, he's. <laughs> he, 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 I mean, literally, the premise is like you, you zombie man, are the only person in the world that will have sex with me. Mm-hmm. Like really, like that's it. That's where we're gonna go. This like attractive young woman. It's like I understand there was something specific she wanted to have sex with, whatever. But I'm just saying that like that's what makes her fall in love with him is that he is available for sex and no one else is. I mean, that's just like it's just once again just something that doesn't work, doesn't really have any impact, doesn't doesn't resonate, no. doesn't doesn't surprise doesn't shock or delight or anything it just kind of oh well i guess that's what had to happen to like get us to the next scene yeah it reminded me of uh danny boyle's rom-com yesterday the high concept where the guy is the only one who remembers the beatles music and the romance at the center of that is that his manager is played by lily james who's gorgeous and very attractive and he's She's his manager at the very beginning. She's like, I believe in you and you're a really good musician and I love your music. And it's not, and she loves him before everyone else does in the sense that he's famous playing the Beatles. And at the end, he, he goes through this journey of uh, being a fucking narcissist and then like just, just self-involved with everything that he's going through. And then finally he's like, no, I do love this person. And I'm like, you know what? Yeah. You don't deserve her. You don't deserve her. She deserves something else. And, and it buys into itself where she's into it. She's like, oh, finally he sees me. And honestly, this one's not as egregious, but it's close because she's so self-involved. She's made her trauma, her personality. And she is neglecting this this person who is dedicated to her from the very outset, and uh, then then they go through it, and then she just happens to change her mind. Well, and I'm like, you know, tired. What? yeah, it's, it's very, very tired. T- it's Hate a very it. tired, and it's lazy. Like it's not it's not even like you couldn't even call it like an arc. It's no, just, it's just like okay, well, we've got to the point in the movie where we need this relationship to move into a different place. Yeah. And I wish maybe so, that so was what they look at each other and it's a real deep and penetrating look. And they, it's like, Oh, you, you were there. You know, it's like the joke line from every rom-com trailer. Like sometimes the, the thing you need is like right next to you or something. You know? <laughs> yep. It's, it's just, yeah. And then walk. It was there the entire time, Ben. It yeah, was there just, the entire time. It's yeah, no, I agree. It's just <laughs> another part of the movie that just doesn't work. It is yeah. not compelling. Well, it sounds like we were, a little let down wah, ourselves. Wah, wah. Wah. It's unfortunate. But, I'm, but I'm never let down by you, Kyle. I, well, you I never let me it. down. You never uh, let me down. I was going to ask. that one time. <laughs> Just the one? Except well, for that one time. That's a pretty good batting average. Still owes, so. me, still owes me 20 bucks. No, I, <laughs> no, what were you going to ask? I was going to ask. We were supposed to talk last week, but the rain, the torrential atmospheric river prevented us from yeah, uh, yeah, meeting up. Prevented me from leaving D- work. Did you see Argyle? I didn't. Okay. All you, right. want to give it a ca- you, should, you want to give it a capsule review? No, uh, ben, I think it was a good thing that you didn't see Argyle. It was such a horrific mess. But, but I knew I was... I mean, I, I don't like Kingsman. I don't... If you, and, and if you don't even like Kingsman, because Kingsman is a good good compared to this. Like, it is such a mess. 
the cat didn't do it for you. Oh, and in fact, they even write out the cat at one point. So, like, it's a two. By the way, Ben, two hours and twenty minutes. Argyle is. Oh, that's a tough one. It's tough to get a good rating for me at two twenty. Yeah, no, and it wastes most of its runtime. And at one point, they have the cats in it a lot, almost too much. But then, about halfway through, they write out the cat for a very egregious character moment where they're like, they, she leaves the cat behind and she goes, I need to go back and get my cat. And then Sam Rockwell's like, if you go back and get the cat, you'll die. Or do you want to live? And then she goes with Sam Rockwell and I'm like, come with me if you want to live. Yeah, essentially it was like that. Um, so she leaves behind the cat. The only thing that she supposedly loves. And, uh, that was, uh, I I don't think that that was uh, a correct characterization move, but do you know why they did it? It was because, uh, the cat was costing them a lot in visual effects shots. So uh, they needed to just to remove it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's the best reason. I mean, uh, sure. sure. Yeah, it, it's that's not. Yeah, that movie is, is not destined. It's, to be good. No, no, it, it is. Um, it was truly terrible. And it was it, it mistook um, every 10 minutes. It had a twist and like a new reveal. And that's not clever. That's exhausting. Like that's it was it was a lot of that, and it was truly unfortunate. Uh, there was a lot of people trying to make it work. Sam Rockwell, like really trying to carry it all on his shoulders. But then they introduced the fact that he and Bryce Dallas Howard are supposed to be like romantic, and uh, there's just zero chemistry. The the most bland nothing between the two. It really does not make it work. It's real bad. It was real bad, uh, Ben. So honestly, and compared to uh, you know Argyle and Lisa Frankenstein, I did enjoy Lisa Frankenstein more. <laughs> yeah, no, well, that sounds like a tough one. That yeah. sounds like a tough sit. It was, absolutely. Well, um, I think we'll be off next week, Ben, but um, I was trying to lay out a kind of general idea of the movies that we will uh, review in the next couple months. Uh, I, mean, just, I feel like I feel like Drive Away Dolls is the next movie. Yes, that we, that's what that's what I have. About. So the next one that I have for us to talk about is Drive Away Dolls, and yeah, then we're gonna the, do Dune Part Two. Yeah, we get that's that's easy. That's easy. Um, and then I would like to do Love Lies Bleeding, the Kristen Stewart uh, body, and then the bodybuilder lesbian romance movie. That it's an A twenty four movie. Have you not seen the trailer for you it? No, I've seen the trailer. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm fired up about that. Yeah, it looks good. You I, say I'm, bodybuilder lesbians. I'm like, show me the way. You got a creepy Ed Harris in there. Um, I'm love I'm a in. We love a creepy Ed Harris. It's so funny. I to scroll through Box Office Mojo, the upcoming movies, because it's just like the biggest movies combined with shit that like I don't even know what it is. Like yeah. all these weird like Christian movies that like <laughs> there's a lot there. of them. They're coming. They're coming. Forty seven days with Jesus. Um man, Kung Fu Panda Four. Yeah, there's a lot. And all these weird limited releases that I'm not really sure what they are. They get put on like two screens and then go on to Netflix, I think, maybe. Yeah, probably. Bible Cinema Roadshow, The Seven Churches of Revelation, Times of Deception. It's a double. Hold, this one's a double colon. Oh, my God. Bible Cinema Roadshow, colon, The Seven Churches of Revelation, colon, Times of Deception. Jeez. Double colon. Who goes double colon? Sometimes me. Double colon. Like you're, you're a double colonoscopy after you see this movie. Plunge it out of you. 
It's gonna get it's gonna get stuck somewhere and cause cause you some sort of colon cancer. Oof. It's lodged inside you. Yeah. Oh, oh dear. Well, drive away dolls. I think that'll be in what's coming up next yeah, for us. That's the next one. That's yeah. the next one. It's not it's not this weekend, but it's next weekend. So we'll take a take a week off. But um yeah, I, I've I've got it kind of you know planned out and you know, once we get into April we'll do like Monkey Man, Civil War Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, uh, Challengers, the three-way, you know, the Luco Guanino, uh, tri- three-way Trist movie. Uh, sometimes I feel like you're throwing a fake title in here just to uh, see if I'll know. And the answer is, I will not. You, you I will, will not. not. I will not know when you throw in a fake title. No, but, but these exist. I, oh, maybe next time I'll try and conjure up some fake ones. But uh, no, the- you, should throw, you should throw in the occasional fake one just to see if I'm, <laughs> see if I'm up up on it well we're gonna we're not gonna do kung fu kung fu panda 4 people will be okay with that yeah you might see that with carolina so maybe i'll have a i mean i'll I'll likely see it i I don't mind those those movies you do see them all you do see them all i see too many oh ghostbusters frozen empire is coming out i have it i have it listed as Uh, a potential conversation maybe to follow up on our miserable time watching afterlife uh Oh, uh, <laughs> why? Why? Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, two horror thriller. Wow, these things are amazing. There's yeah, so that, many movies. Yeah, it's 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 all it's all. This is just gonna be the rest. I'm, we're just gonna spend another half hour with me just reading <laughs> reading what's coming out. Box Office Mojo. It's <laughs> 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 just a wild. A document called "On the Adamant" that apparently is getting a wide release from Kino Lorber. I I, I query how wide that will be. Yes. Okay. I well, agree. that's that's enough of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so happy. Uh, I need to find some joy after our lackluster uh, Lisa Frankenstein experience. Yeah. Well, he is cowboy. Give him some money. He's getting married. Which means Very his life soon. is almost over. Yeah. This is it. Last days of bachelorhood. Putting on the the ball and chain. Oh, ball and chain. Uh, no, <laughs> Kyle, Kyle is way lucky. It's it's Katie. We wonder about you know, but Kyle is clearly that's true. I up. do wonder how lucky so Katie res- is, but uh... so so respect respect to Kyle for. I mean, me too. I'm married way above my station, yeah. so you know, to join the club, buddy. Yeah, that's what I would say. You, you know, this is a little life advice. We're gonna put this deep in the show. See who listens this late. The key though is to get them pregnant because once you've done that, ah, they yeah. can't get rid of they can't get rid of you. They got to put up with your ass for the rest for the rest of the time. That's true. So so that's a little life advice to all you people listening out there. Uh, that was that was how I did it. That's how I secured my livelihood. So um, you know, since you listen to all this, you get that piece of life advice. <laughs> well, and you can get more advice from Ben Thalen if you follow his dead record or something. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You'll, you'll get you'll get all kinds of. You're doing you're insights. doing poetry now. Yeah, we the, the the paying subscribers get a weekly Friday poem. I love it. They get a weekly Friday poem. I've never yes, been well, good I, at I've never been good at poetry. Well, neither have I, but we're not going to worry about that. We're going to move right past that and yeah. not worry about. We're going to go beyond good and bad and just, uh, and just into into being. You know, well, I just, I just want to get back to thinking about words and language, right? Sure. And, and po- poetry is always the way to do that. You want to think about being as impactful as you can with as few words as possible, right? So I'm trying to re-engage more with with language. Great. Poetry. That sounds very. Uh, it sounds very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Presumptuous, um, hoity-toity of me, but uh, that's what I'm doing. 
But yeah, get, go, go go learn about movies from Kyle. He knows he knows movies and you don't, but you could know movies with his guidance and assistance with his sage counsel. <laughs> I try. I try. And uh and yeah, we'll we'll probably talk to you in a couple of weeks and we'll be talking to you about uh I don't know. Talking to you about yeah. Ethan Cohen, Trisha Cook, and their new movie Drive Away Dolls. I'm excited for yeah. this one. I'm excited for this one. I got high hopes. I'll they just announced that the Cohen brothers are coming back together to do another movie. So Ooh. uh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk about the the divide, you know, the, their different paths and what unifies them. I think it'll be an interesting little study on Ethan Cohen's because we already did Tragedy and Macbeth. It'll be interesting to see Ethan's, uh, you know, film, you know, on on the other end. But uh, yeah, that's coming next. Um, we'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye bye, everyone.